This is how it's going to start. Welcome to the podcast. It's me, Jimmy Jason Jack, the Pickle Shack Back, Black Tapper Snack, uh, the Big Butt Snack Shack, House Machine Boat Boy, diving under the deep water into the Halo Klein here on Live to Tape, also known as Live to Tap, also known as Daddy's Big Red Truck. It's a huge red truck. It drives everywhere. It can go on grass. It can go on like muddy concrete. It can do everything. It's a big Red truck that Daddy drives, and I'm Daddy, and hop, hop inside, inside, and we're going to take a trip on over to the executive, executive buffet. buffet. It's a buffet for executives, and you are an executive by virtue of being here. If you've got speakers, put them on the speakers. Put this on the speakers. Put them on the glass, as they say. It's me, Kevin Tipcorn, a.k.a. Johnny Pemberton, here on the podcast you're listening to right now. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you would. If, if you, you do, do, it helps us, helps everyone, helps me. Come check me out live. I've got a bunch of little shows, little spots in LA. You can find that on my Instagram and Twitter, which is my name. Also, uh, come see my solo show the 28th of January at the Elysian Theater. It's a new theater. It's an amazing theater. I'm doing my solo show called Minnesota Reggae Colostomy Bag. Bag. Yes, that's the title. Come see it, the 28th of January if you live in L.A. Otherwise, I'll be in Nashville with Duncan Trussell at Zany's, 18th and 19th. Then I'll be in Tacoma, Washington, again with Duncan Trussell on the 10th, 11th, and 12th of March. And I'll be in Portland, uh, 31st, April 1st, and April 2nd, again with Mr. Duncan Trussell. I've got a tour coming up. In March, probably about 10 days or so, middle of March. The dates aren't locked in yet, but they're going to be locked, locked in, in soon. As soon as they're locked in, I will lock them into you, and you'll see them. That's why you got to follow me on social media, because it's all trash except for whatever information you can glean, and that's information you can you glean, glean. From, from me. me. Oh, what else? We have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. Also, check me out on Twitch. Twitch. I'm streaming on there probably about, about twice, twice a week. week. Always on Monday evenings, though. It's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. That's twitch.tv slash Johnny Pemberton. It's a really fun time there. The benefits of it is everything. Come check it out. It's the cross-platform experience you've been wanting all this time. Do all those things. And also, if you're, looking, if you're interested in merch... There were links, again, we're on the social media sites in the link tree. That's what we use now. We use something called the link tree. And you can buy sweatshirts, t-shirts, all kinds of crap that's really great crap. It's the stuff I pretty much wear every day of my life is all this goddamn stuff I've created. It's so weird how often I'm wearing my own merch. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, a younger me might be like, why are you doing that? It's like wearing the band's t-shirt to the band's concert but i don't care anymore because i like it i like the stuff i made and you can get it too for, for great, great prices. prices and no place else oh uh, what else i think that's it uh we're starting to pull out of this um i'm not even gonna say it i was gonna say we're starting to pull out of this third wave of the thing that shall not be said but i'm not even gonna say that i'm not even, what i just said undo what i said and just keep on trucking okay fear False evidence appearing real. Remember that. Today's podcast is a wonderful podcast. 
My guest is someone who I am new friends with, but I love this man so much. He's so interesting and cool and incredibly talented. And we had, this is such an incredible, incredible podcast, podcast for real. This is one where I'm like, man, this was good. The gas was on, the flames are high. It came up to a boil very fast, everything like that. Whatever kind of metaphor you want to use, this is an outstanding podcast with my friend, an incredible actor, and just like an enlightened being. An enlightened being. Here he is, me and Octavio Pizarro. And we're live here. We're live with Octavio. Here with his big old one-gallon jug of water. He's sipping like a crazy moonshiner. What's up, man? How you doing, brother? <laughs> we had some technical problems, and now we don't. Man, it's, it's so nice now. There's no tech problems. What a fucking pain in the ass. It's insane. I was sitting there waiting for you. I was like... It... I, I, yeah, I kept... I was doing the same with you. I was like... I, and I would say something, and you'd be... <laughs> right, 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 right. I couldn't cut you off because, you know... No, this is perfect. This is real. Octavio, yeah. so you're in New, you're in New York City area. You're working on the show Law and Order, uh, sport utility vehicle, and we work. You that's know, how we met each other. This little show. Little show know. called Lorder SUV. Lorder SUV, yes. Do they have any weird nicknames for the show that that people don't know about? I'm sure they do. They got their own their own language on that set. I'm barely catching up. Like, really? Is that even just now? Because yeah. they've been doing the show for how long? Like 20 years or something? 23 years. God, that's insane. So you it's, have to kind of fold yourself into the mix of this thing. Nobody finishes their conversations anymore. The camera guy is like, this says this, boom, boom, boom. I was like, I'm like, what happened? You want me to go over here? I got, you know, because they've been doing it for, you uh, know, it's, it's 20 such a years. Everyone, yeah. Yeah, it's insane. That's the cool. speed is insane. I mean, you know. Yeah, I kind of got it. I mean, when I was there, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do what you say and we'll try to do it. And if you think it's good, it's good. I'm not going to like really try to, um, there's no room for my, and what I think is, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not my show. It's not like it's not that, my- you know, and, and I see that now that I've been doing more episodes mm-hmm. and when a guest starts come in and, and cause there's no feedback, right? It's moving so fast yeah. that yeah. people are like, wait, was that? good was that mm-hmm. should i you know but silence is good if nobody says anything you're good just that's keep a, moving that's true it's definitely a good thing yeah you f- so this is for you this is like this because culminating after a, a lot of uh you've been working on toward this for a long time yeah like this is a this is a fucking big deal yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean i i yeah i moved to la when i was i was like 15 years ago Wow, okay. And yeah, and what's crazy is I've actually never done a guest star or a mm-hmm. co-star. Right? So I haven't I haven't been working a lot, you know. I I, I booked a series regular in the beginning of my career on a Which is Tyler what? Perry show. It was a okay. Tyler Perry show on the Oprah channel. And and then from then I went, you know, like 4 years without a job. Wow. And I booked another show, also series regular that got shut down because of COVID. And then two years later, this came about. So it's really, it's been like three jobs, basically wow. in 15 years, but three big jobs. So it's, 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 yeah, it's crazy. How did you manage that time, that four years where you were just in a drought? How did that, that, that's like, that's really difficult, but you have to have like a certain attitude to deal with that. Yeah. You know, I went back to getting a job. I got a, I got a job at a restaurant, and then mm-hmm. I started washing dishes. And I guess that was a little hard being on a show and then having to go back to get a job. That's like really hard, man. That's like the hardest thing ever, I feel like. Well, I was going to say the hardest thing was that I had a kid now. Yeah. So you're never guaranteed, you know. Like, you, you know you know what you you want to do, and you know... You have something, you know, it's just, you can feel it, but there's no way to prove it. And, you know, when I was single, whatever, I'm couch surfing, I'll sleep in my car, it doesn't matter. But now I have a child, now I can't do that. You know, mm-hmm. now I got to provide. So it's a different scenario and, and yeah, it was rough. It was rough four years. Sounds like it. What was like the thing that got you through it? Then? 
Uh, a lot of comedy. A lot. What do you mean, like watching comedy? Watching comedy, yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was what were you watching back then? Uh, I was watching a lot of stand up. I was watching. Uh, I became friends with Tiffany Haddish, so I was okay. going to stand up uh, shows and. That's crazy. Yeah, I watched Friends. That was a, that was <laughs> my show that I just I came home and I was like, just put it on. I'm not even gonna watch. I'll just watch a little bit of Joey eating a sandwich. I'll laugh, you know, That's just funny, to get man. through the night. Yeah, I yeah, think that's underestimated. I I forget that a lot too. I think because it's like because I work in comedy, I, a lot of times I forget. Like, I do like this. I think it's hard though. I think it's hard if you're like working in comedy to um, watch it or in a way that's un, like unaffected. Like you're not like you're right you know, when you're not critical, right? Yeah, or just enjoying it for what it is, as opposed to thinking about other aspects of it. Right. And I think that's. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just have to work on that, I guess, because I do. Comedy is like such a, it's a kind of thing where at some point, if you're watching something that's funny, you can think you can be like, oh, I'm not gonna like this. I'm gonna hate this. And the next thing you know, you're laughing, and it's like, right. well, it's it's really difficult. It takes a lot of energy to resist that kind of thing. It takes so much energy to right. be like, oh, I'm not gonna laugh. It's such a, a bad place that that energy is so terrible. Well, especially, I feel like. When you go to it the way I was, mm-hmm. I'm looking for the laugh, right? So I'm open already. Okay. But if you come at it as a comedian, then you're studying the timing. You're studying, you know, how yeah. well they're, they're delivering the jokes and if the people are laughing. So you're not really engaged in the, you know, in the yeah. jokes themselves. You're not just like letting it wash over you. Right. Plus, one thing that I did that I loved, I would go back and watch like early Eddie Murphy or early Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. yeah. and you see the growth and you see how oh they still you know because you watch the latest stuff and like they develop a timing they develop a confidence they just knew how to control the audience back yeah. then they were raw you know but they were still funny the jokes were still good it's funny that you're so I feel like a lot of people who are do a lot of do a lot of drama dramatic yeah. acting and stuff they love comedy Way more than any comedian, and every comedian I know loves watching really intense, heavy dramas and stuff like that. And I'm the same way. I love stuff that's like, there's nothing funny about this at all. It's just like, or if there is something funny, it's like the darkest, darkest joke where it's not really even a funny thing. It's like, I find like comedians are the darkest people I have, like as friends. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think. It's like you, you get to a point where you start analyzing the world and life and you start analyzing relationships and there's so many, you know, dark ideas about it. And you get to a point where there's so much darkness that you just mm-hmm. got to laugh. You just got to make fun of it. Otherwise, you're going to go crazy, right? And so I feel like that's where comedians get and they, you know, they, because most of them are super smart and they, they see it, but they just don't take it seriously because it'd be too heavy. It's almost like, it's almost like SVU. Right? right, like if you don't know what the show like for the first couple episodes, I refused to watch the show because right. I didn't want to be critical of it. And then I watched it. And I was like, "What the? Can I curse?" Yeah, you can curse. Yes. <laughs> I was like, "What the fuck is this? Like, this is crazy." Because being on set was a whole different experience. It's like almost like like you're in a comedy, you know? Like you got uh-huh. Marishka telling jokes and eyes, and and everyone's having a good time. Uh-huh. And then we'll go into the scene. But it's not, you know, it's not method acting. So you're not carrying that energy around. So all of a sudden right. you watch the show and you're like, oh, this is, this is some dark stuff. Like I didn't realize yeah. that's what we we're talking about, you know? I suppose it has to be, right? I remember before I even started acting, I remember hearing about like uh, the sets of super, super dramatic sets or like a scene that's really heavy or someone, someone's getting like attacked or something just really dramatic and how there's a lot of joking that goes around, goes on during that because you kind of have to separate yourself from that thing. Otherwise, it sucks you in. Yeah. You'll get like bogged down by the thing. Yeah. Because it's Especially, not real. It's, it's, it's not, but, but you're bringing a reality to it, right? Right. Because like, when people are watching it, they can spot the truth. So in your mind, it has to be somewhat real. But, right. you know, it's, it's, I remember Ice gave me a, an advice early on. He said, you know, this is a marathon. So don't... Don't treat every scene as the last scene because you got 
10 more scenes to finish the episode. And then you got 10 more episodes to finish the season. And then you got more, you know, it just keeps going on. I mean, he's been doing it for 23 years. You know? I would love to get any advice from Ice. Like just his voice, Octavio, let me no, tell you, this is a marathon, man. <laughs> this is a marathon. That's okay? pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. I mean, uh, most of my scenes are with him. So, you know, I'm just picking his brain. And he's got, I feel like he'd be a great stand-up comedian, you know. I think that guy could pretty much do, he could be an arms dealer. He could be like a, uh, he could be a president of a small country. He could pretty much do, he's got that weird thing where I feel like there's famous people and then there's people like Ice. Like Ice is like, he's like a weird, he's like a legend. He is. It's so strange. He is, How? and yet he's super grounded. Like talking yeah. to him, there's times where I got to remind myself. I'm like, this is, this is iced tea. This is a you guy know? who could like step between a firefight and they'd be like, oh, sorry, man. You know, he could like st- stop a train by saying, hey, train, you need to slow down. It's insane. We'll be in the streets of New York and he's like, yo, big bro. You know, they come and say hi to him. And it's like the respect on the streets is insane. You know, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. When I met yeah. him, I was like so nervous. And it, really? I mean, we, we were around, well, yeah, because it's like this guy who is just, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, that's the guy. He's got so, he's also had, he does have like a, a feeling about him that feels kind of dangerous. You know what I mean? He feels right. like a bit, right. uh, like you're, you're, you're scared of him, especially me, like being a little white dude here. <laughs> like, who the fuck am I? But I, I think I introduced myself to him because I was like, we had that what, that scene together. And I was like, oh, well, we haven't, we've talked to each other just barely, but we right. didn't ever actually, I didn't actually introduce myself. Right. I introduced myself and he was kind of like, okay. <laughs> just right. like, I was, I was, it took everything I had to be like, okay, I'm just going to walk up and say, introduce myself and say, you know, just be very, very simple and quick. And it definitely afterwards, I kind of felt, it wasn't like the greatest. It didn't feel great, <laughs> but then we right. did talk later. When we were, you know, between takes and stuff, and it was better. But it was one of those things where I was like, "God, I can't believe that." Like that felt kind of weird. Because <laughs> he was sort well, of like, I, "Yeah." I see it every day. People come up to him, and it's like, you know, he's such a, uh, yeah, intimidating presence. Intimidating. That's the word. He's very. Well, but just yeah. it's not even the fame. It's just him. You know. Yeah. Because he has that history, right? Because he has a history in crime and stuff, and that kind of stuff is it's it's such a such a heavy lifestyle compared to anything else. Like anything compared to that is kind of like a breeze, right? One hundred percent, yeah. Especially you know in show business. Oh yeah, because show business is like everyone's full of shit. Right. And so it's like no one's actually going to hold a gun to your head or anything like that. They're just going right. to hold a contract to your head and try to enforce it. There's no like real, they forget. real gangsters. Right, yeah. right, right. They forget. And all of a sudden you're dealing with a real, you know, an OG. An OG. Like, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. But you you come from, you grew up in like a, a rough area, right? So you have like, you and Ice must kind of bond a bit because you both have like, you've been like purified through... um. I don't know what you want to say. Like, not purified through pain, but you've like you've come out of a, a really tough situation. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about it a couple of times. How you know you just know you just recognize you don't even have to say anything. You just talk to each other, and you're like, oh, I, I get it. Game uh, recognize game. Is that what I'm saying? Yeah, that's just what it is. Is that how you say it? I mean, you've heard that phrase, right? Game recognizes game. Yeah. No, I've never heard it. Oh, wow. Okay, so it basically means like, let's just say um, we're talking about basketball here, right? If you're like a mm-hmm. great basketball player, you'd recognize another uh, fellow great basketball player because you just right. like, if you know how to do something, you recognize when someone else also does. And right. it's not like a thing, you don't have to say much, you just kind of can see it because yep. there's certain things that, that tip you off. I think that's probably the same with people who've come through like a like a tough upbringing or something like that when they've they've made it out of a situation that was potentially deadly even you know something where it's like yeah you survive I mean, you you're got, survivor you, right uh, yeah you're a warrior mm-hmm. the survivor would be you know you survive an illness but this you have to fight your way out but yeah there's a there's a definitely an edge you know i bet i mean 
everyone. I feel like fighters recognize fighters, comedians yeah. recognize comedians. You just, you know, you've lived that life, and yeah, we've we've shared a couple stories here and there. And, Damn. And plus, our characters are kind of like you know, buddy yeah. buddy. Like every scene okay. is him and I interrogating people, and so. It's funny because we're looking out for the bad guys, and we're like, "Yeah, we 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 know bad guys in real life," you know. Yeah, that's so. Wow. I never thought about that. It's interesting because you guys both actually really do. Wow, what do, do you ever think about? Sometimes that um, I would think about this lately: the idea that, like, uh, you know, actors obviously play characters, and sometimes you play someone who is very different than you. But I feel, right. it feels like a lot of the time the parts that we get are really, really, really similar to an aspect of our lives or basically like an alternate timeline. Yeah. It's like a, you could, this could be you, but it's just a different timeline. So you're not really acting that much. You're just sort of, you're changing your name and putting on like, not your clothes, but really. Right. You're changing the exterior, the look mm -hmm. and the way you walk. And even if you change an accent or whatever, but still the essence is you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've done a lot of roles. There, I mean, then there's some that I, you know, I, I feel like you get to a point in a career where you can stretch your talent, right? You can stretch your mm -hmm. craft. You people will be like, all right, he's known enough, so we can give him a shot at this role. That's not really him. We don't, yeah. you know, like you know, you think of Heath Ledger. People were like. Right. What? He he's gonna play the Joker. What the fuck? This yeah, he's this like a pretty boy surfer here? guy. Right. He doesn't. You know. But then he knocked it out of the park. So yeah. it's all he got the opportunity. Someone saw it in it, and and mm -hmm. he was big enough. So I think that's what it takes. But I think starting out, you always get to play who you are, something closer to you. you know? Yeah, version of yourself. It's yeah. all about so much of that stuff. Though it seems to be you have to. Like, sure, some people get the opportunity because someone somewhere sees something in them. Like, oh, I think it would be cool to see this person, uh, this person who's known to be, do like a very dark thing to do something light. Right. But a lot of times it's, and a lot of times, I feel like most of the time, no one's going to see that. You have to show them. You have to find, you have to make an opportunity to show people the thing you can do. Because yeah. otherwise, you'll just be waiting around forever. Yeah. Yeah. I have a friend of mine who's in his 40s, he's made a career out of playing bad guys, right, in right. level movies. And But I know him. He's one of my best friends, and I knew right. he's he's a leading man, right? He's got these qualities, a father. He, he has all these aspects of his personality that are not in his characters, but he got typecast. So I wrote a film just for him, and I directed him. And it's the most beautiful thing to see him because, you know, that the roles that he's been playing might have been mm -hmm. him 20 years ago, but that's not him anymore, right? Yeah. He's grown. He's, he's a different person. What's the film? It's a film. It's not out yet, but it's called Grief. That's the current title. It's about a Grief. father. Yeah. He, a, a guy loses his wife to suicide and has to deal with a teenage daughter and has to learn how to be a father. Damn, that's happy, man. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I like heavy you. stuff. I know. I can. You're so dramatic. Sometimes I see your stuff on Instagram. I'm like, damn. <laughs> you're like, you're very, very poetic and dramatic about everything. It's so. I love it though. I love it because it's like, it's just like, uh, it's like a. I feel like it's just the opposite of me, but I, I understand it. Does that make sense? It's like yeah. I mean, it's, it's different ways up to the same mountain, right? We're yeah. going to the same thing. We see the same thing. We just have a different approach, but. Yeah, you're hiking in like the blizzard and I'm on the sunny side. <laughs> taking the <laughs> elevator and I'm taking the stairs. Yeah. No, you know, it's, it's, I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like I've seen so much of the dark side of life, mm -hmm. you know, that I just like to shine light on the, and I feel like myself, I myself, I don't consider myself a dark person, right? I feel like right, I'm very you're not. light and very chill. I don't chill, think you are either, yeah. But... Maybe that's the reason why I like going in dark stuff. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Whereas I've met people who are very dark in nature and their 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 mental patterns are very negative and they all they want to do is listen to comedy and listen to light stuff and you know, mm -hmm. because that's it's the balance of the yin and yang, right? You gotta beat it back. That's it. That's it. It's like 
I don't have a bag here. I used to have a bag and I used to beat it out. And oh, like I'm a heavy bag. Like right, literally. Like a, pun- like a punching bag. Literally. Yeah. Oh, nice. oh, you're talking metaphorically. Well, I don't know. I thought maybe like carrying around a bag, like carrying around a bunch of, um, you know, people talk about carrying things with them. Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I don't carry any. I, I let it go. Have you read that book, uh, The Things They Carried by Tim O'Brien? No. Oh, dude, you uh, probably love it. You probably, I'm going to read it again. It's one of the few books I read. I read cover to cover. Like I read it, I bought it in the airport and I read it. I started reading it on the flight and I kept reading it on the, the car ride back home. And then when I got home, I kept, I laid in bed and I think I almost finished it because it was like just so, so good. That's it's it's a about, novel? Yeah, it's a novel. It's by this uh, Minnesota writer named Tim O'Brien. It's about Vietnam. It's about, but it's also, it's all about storytelling in the sense like, um, like perspective and memory and how we remember things differently, how different people remember the same thing, how right. we, um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, some, it's won tons and tons of awards. It's an older book, but it's something where, to me, it's, uh, I've never read anything that, that talks about like memory that way. And I think yeah. it's so interesting. I don't know why I'm thinking, I mean, this is such a tangent because you're talking about a, ba- a, a punching bag. I'm thinking like, oh, like a bag, like the yeah, things but it's all, people it's all carry. connected, right? Yeah, because I feel like he talks about he talks about in the book like what the soldiers are literally carrying, but right. I always think about like your memories in a way are things you you carry them around. Right, it's something you you taking with you, and you 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 can only have so many memories, and the memories that you remember, every time you think of them, it's like grinding it out a little bit further, making it a finer, more concrete memory, but every time but you do remember part- something. Fiction, right? Yeah, because it does. Because the longer you, the longer you go from the memory, then the less, the less real, the less details you know you remember, and so kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. It's almost like you just remember like a smell or just like one frame. One frame. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have like a couple frames. I remember when my uncle taught me to ride my bike. I was a kid, and I just have like just a couple of pictures of it. Right. And I think one of the pictures is probably an actual photograph that was taken that I've seen. Right. And some of it's actually in my eyes, but the but the some at some point, I don't really know what's the difference because I've got this fucking wet computer between my ears that pro- doesn't keep a perfectly accurate thing. It has like the essence of it. Right. And it's that's so strange. A, that's why that's why I love acting, right? Because I just love the mind, and so there's no. And the body listens to the mind. So the body reacts to whatever the mind is thinking. So just how uh-huh. you, you can have a memory of something traumatic and your body will have a reaction. Well, who's to say that something that you imagine for a role, your body doesn't know the difference between memory and imagination. Totally, you know? yeah. That's, so, that's, that's what we were talking about earlier because you were talking about how it's like super light on these sets, these heavy sets. Right. Because it kind of has to be because if it's not, then it's like, oh my God. You would probably, people be getting sick and all kinds of bad shit would be happening. I remember I took an acting workshop once and this, this actress, she just had a natural ability to believe whatever it was, right? Like she uh-huh. would just, she didn't need to do any mental intellectual work. She would just be in the scene and believed it. And she was doing a really intense, dramatic scene and she broke down and it was beautiful and everything. Then, you know, the next thing was up and she went back to her seat and everything. And after a while, she kept crying. She kept crying. She got stuck in it the whole night. She was crying. She couldn't wow. stop crying. She's like, I don't, you know, I'm, there's nothing in my life coming in personally that's making me cry. It's just, I'm stuck. So we had to do like a physical exercises to get it shake back it off. Body. Yeah, you, you got to get it, it off. Literally. Yeah, I've do, yeah, I do that a lot now. Someone told me about this years ago, the idea of like you physically shake out your arms and your legs and everything. Yep. If something bad happens, just to get it out of your body. Otherwise, it just starts to, it sits in there and becomes like this, uh, a, like a sense memory, like a physical yeah, memory. It's an en- energetic block, and it can cause disease. It can cause pain. It can cause, yeah. you know. Yeah, I've had some of those. That's what, Where did you first learn about that kind of stuff? About? Uh, like the idea of like uh, emotional states being physical. Somewhere along the acting journey, I, I took a lot of like esoteric workshops where you do a lot of just improvisational body work. Right, and uh-huh. emotional work and sound work, and at first I was like, 
fucking weird. What is this what, shit? What's going on, bro? This kid from Tijuana, you know, just lost in the city of LA and he's taking these workshops and like these people are growling on the floor and crawling like uh-huh. like amorphous beings. I'm like, this is fucking weird. But but I got it. I got you know, because a lot of those workshops included meditation, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I was able to distinguish between the mind and the body and how for acting, we're using all of it. We're using our voice, our emotions, our, our, our personality, our bodies. And so if you don't know how to detach from it all, mm-hmm. you know, it's easy to get stuck, you know, especially if you go deep. I mean, like you think about someone like Daniel Day-Lewis or somebody who's method, who's spending time in that world. Yeah. You get, you gotta have an, a way out. Like I remember when I was directing my friend in the film, you know, it was a dark film. It's about grief. He lost his wife and everything, and he was really good at getting into the scenes, but he couldn't get out of it. Wow. Right? And so we, when we had scenes back to back, and all of a sudden we're shooting out of order, so the next scene was kind of lighter, and and he would bring in that energy. We would have to do exercises on set. Wow. It's like this is a whole different energy. You know what I mean? And. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 obsessed with the craft. Yeah. It's amazing. That is so interesting to think about. Like what what is a good besides that uh these exercises you're talking about, what is like the way you get out of that um emotional state? Uh just, you know, goofballing and playing around with my daughter and just, you know. Sometimes right. it takes me a while, you know, like yesterday yeah. I did a scene and the scene wasn't even that that intense, but just the, the process of getting the scene was a lot. There was a lot going on, right? Yeah. Because there's drama in the scene, and then there was some drama out, you know. And I got home, and, and I spent like an hour just breathing, meditating, journaling, trying to process this wow. thing. And even like, it was like midnight, and I was in bed, and I was still going over that scene. Oh, man. Know? that ha- Yeah, that's crazy how that shit works. I've had, I mean, it's been a while since I've had like, something like that going on. But I, ha- I just, you saying that just remi- reminded me like, oh man, I've had these times where I'm like exhausted, but I'm in bed because this shit is just still like chugging in my brain, all this, right. all these thoughts and stuff, all these well, feelings. Because that's what you do, the- right? You're, 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 you spend a yeah. couple hours before the scene prepping your mind. Right. So somehow inside you believe it, right? You have some mm-hmm. truth. And, and then it's like, cut, wrap, check the gate, go home. Like, all right, cool. See you guys. But I'm still, you know, I bring some home. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's insane. I always think about that quote. I don't know who it's from. It's probably from like Goethe or like Nietzsche or some shit. Yeah. I think it's uh, some... when you when you stare in the abyss, the abyss stares back. That's interesting. You've... I've never heard of it. It's just the idea that like you can't just touch things. You can't touch things that have a lot of energy without them also touching you right 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 i mean i've heard it i think it's like a paraphrase but it was like if you stare into the darkness the darkness will stir back because yeah the same it's, the sa- it's the same concept yeah it's and so many times these things where, like we're talking about like this is a purely uh professional thing you're doing it's it's for money it's it's right. a, you're doing this you're going in there and you're like a miner you go in there and you work on the mines and you clock out but uh, when you're done, it's like you're still your brain doesn't know that you're done really. Right. It's still like yeah, we're still working here. Your brain because and you, your body, right? Your body just yeah. reacts to it. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, that's why I'm I'm obsessed with acting because acting is being a human being, right? So all these issues that we deal with, you can apply them to life, right? right. To be able to to be able to learn a monologue that is not your words, that is not your story. And to personalize it and make it your own, you got to do some mental work. But that can apply to life because in life, we all have a, a ego narrative in our yeah. heads about what happens, right? And so to be able to distinguish, detach, and then shut it down, be like, shut up, that's a story. You know, I'm not going to connect to it. That's, I feel like that's the best thing I've gotten from acting, you know? Is the idea that your life is a story just the same way that some of your acting is in? Well, no, no, no. That, that, Life is what it is, mm-hmm. not what you think of it, right? So in a scene, there's times where I feel like I sucked. Like, I was horrible, right? And everyone's like, no, you're good, you're good. And my mind was like, no, you suck, you're, you should quit acting. And then I'll watch the scene, oh shit, it wasn't that bad. Because I don't have objective perspective. It's all subjective. Right. 
And that, that can be applied to life. Sometimes you go through life and you're like, I'm such a bad parent or I'm such a this and that. And that's the conversation. You know, and to be aware of it and to be able to shut it down, I think it's the greatest tool as an actor. Yeah. Wow, that's really good to think about, man. What is the, what do you, what for you is like the, the go-to tool to help shut that sort of thing down? Anything physical, sex. Like you, well, <laughs> yeah, I bet that that's a good one for sure. Um, you told me about this thing that I still, I still haven't done it, but this idea of standing meditation. Can you tell me yeah. about that again? Yeah, it's a Taoist meditation. It's, it's called the tree, the standing tree or something. Mm-hmm stillness tree something like that i don't know it's a translation from chinese anyway um but you basically you know you stand and you bring your pelvic down and you you make sure your spine is erect and you just breathe and you kind of like bring your arms as if you're hugging a tree and Mm -hmm. so even if because i've meditated for a long time right and when you sit sometimes you you get caught up in the thinking, right? Whether it's planning or memories right. or whatever, you you won't even realize, and you're going down a rabbit hole because you've been meditating for thirty minutes and you're already thinking, and then you catch yourself, and the work is to come back to letting go of the thought, right? Well, when you're in the in the standing meditation, your body is so uncomfortable, you know, you're not laying down, you're not sitting down, you're standing, yeah. and you're even if your mind wants to go off, your body will bring you back because you'll start getting the kinks. So I feel like it, for people who are starting meditation and can't really calm the mind, I feel like standing meditation is key. It really it's like key. giving the body a little job so that part yeah. of the brain can be busy and the other part can be like, oh, that's busy so I can, have, I can do stuff. Right, right. Because I've done meditations where I lay down and I'm just breathing. 20 minutes in, I'm passed out. I'm sleeping, right? Yeah, it happens to me a lot. I don't know. I'm, I've been doing uh, transcendental meditation for I think like maybe seven years or something like that. Wow. And um, I find now that when I do it, I wake up at 20 minutes. Like I don't know how, but somehow my brain is so clocked in with the 20 minutes that in a way it's kind of not fun because I feel like I'm just like I would love to sometimes just meditate for maybe an hour, maybe like maybe an indefinite amount of time. Right. But I have this thing where my brain is so keyed into the time that it just pulls me out of it at 20 minutes on the dot, no matter what. But so transcendental meditation, right? That that school me on that because I'm not that. So it's a it's a form of Vedic meditation, uh-huh. and it, uh, transcendental meditation was started by uh, the Maharishi, who's right. like a sort of a controversial figure. I think a lot of these guys are controversial, but that's for things that are outside of it's yeah, anything stuff they've that goes done personally. Against, right. Yeah. Like they've done bad stuff personally. And then Maharishi most definitely has probably done some, been involved in some sexual scandals and stuff. But right. I mean, that doesn't, to me, that's, that's a separate thing. Yeah. That's the, the um, messenger, not the message. Yeah. So, but he learned from a guy, Guru Dev, and he's an older guy. And I can't remember who his teacher is, but it's a, you know, it comes from this uh, form of meditation called Vedic meditation, which has to do with, I think, uh, it's about mantra meditation. Mm-hmm. A lot of this stuff, I feel like I've learned about it so long ago, I've forgotten everything. But essentially, you're saying a mantra right. in your head, and that mantra is a Sanskrit phrase or word. Right. It doesn't really mean anything. Um, and you say that, you repeat that in your head, and it's, you, the idea is you go, you, di- you're, you dive down to a consciousness. It's sort of like, uh, a dream. I, I mean, I think technically, all you're doing with with TM, with TM transcendental meditation, yeah. is you're you're finding a, a reliable way to get into a uh, your brain in the same state it is when it's dreaming. It's while just like being awake. Te- while being aware. So it's like if someone were to break into your house, you're awake. You would, right. You would wake up and be like, "Oh, okay. I'm not gonna get get my head chopped off while I'm asleep." It's always it's almost like being an animal or something like a dog. Yeah, like a dog can no sleep. No thought. Yeah, you're you're deep down. You're deep in your thoughts, but your body is aware enough to um, have sensation. So you're not like putting yourself. You're not like completely sleeping. But your only thought is the mantra. You're not. Well, you start with just the mantra. You're repeating it and saying it. But what happens with anything you repeat? It starts to um, mutate. Right. And 
thoughts arise. The thing that they they tell you is that when you repeat it, you just repeat it, and with you know regular with a regular speed, normal speed, it can be faster, slow, whatever is comfortable for you. And thoughts arise, but you're supposed to deal with the thoughts as though you would a landscape on a passing train, like. If you were to see something terrible or think just just the way you were able to think something terrible, if you're on a train, it just passes I mean, by. This, it passes by. Like you right. just you view it right. and you don't judge it. You just view it and let it go. Because right. a lot of times, what happens when meditation is you'll think of something that's really terrible or something like, oh, I shouldn't think that even. Right. But it's okay because to me, it's like the same way dreams work. I mean, this is all like armchair philosophy stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pretty sure this is this is true. Is the idea that is dreams is what they do is they allow you to um, I think about like like a white blood cell like the white blood cell it goes around the the bacteria or the invader it encapsulates mm. it and it takes it away so it's basically like dreams are like a, a way to think things it's like a like a um, like a sewage treatment plant for your thoughts. So all this nasty stuff goes through there, and it's okay because this is where the shit goes. Right. It's, this is where we deal with the shit, and it gets broken down and cleaned and expelled. Right. And the stuff that's good you keep, and the stuff that's bad, it go, goes away. Because you, like, you know how you, if you have like a nightmare, and unless you write it down, unless you think about it a lot, you're going to forget it. Right. And evidently that's the brain. The brain does that on purpose. It's because it, supposedly... If you have like this terrible nightmare, it doesn't really do you any good to bring it into your to your life because the whole point of that nightmare was to exercise to, right. this demon to digest right, 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 it right, right, in a safe space of dreams so you can have your life be right. Not this is not part of your life. It's a dream. So there's no point in journaling it or whatever. I mean, well, I mean, I, I guess there is if you want to, but I mean, in terms of like if it's something that's really that doesn't feel meaningful, it just feels negative. It's a lot of times, I think the dream itself is the thing right. you're working. It is the work. That is right. the work, is right, the dream. Right, right, right. But I feel like sometimes the dream will drag throughout the day. You were so affected by it. And yeah. now you're saying that I have memories, specific memories of dreams. That Me may, too. That make no sense in, in real life. But, I, but yeah. I, I was in that dream and I have a memory of it, which is insane. Yeah, I always thought of, of dreams like... You know, we all have a shadow self or a blind spot or whatever. And when you're mm -hmm. not consciously looking at it, it'll subconsciously creep in during your dreams, right? Because yeah. people avoid all kinds of shit. They're like, eh, you oh know, my God, yeah. I don't want to look at that. It's like, yeah, I know, mm -hmm. but I, I don't pay attention to that. Well, that, I mean, nothing gets repressed. Everything's supposed to be expressed. So it's going to be expressed somehow, right? And it's usually in the dreams. But, yeah, I mean, to circle it back to the meditation thing, I think, Transcendental meditation sounds a lot, well, not a lot, but the the goal is similar to the tree meditation because it's it's giving your mind an action mm -hmm. so that it doesn't get bored. Because when I just sit and I do Shambhala meditation, which is just be aware of the breath, you don't close your okay. eyes, you find a point and you just stick to that point. You don't force anything. You just don't, you know, thoughts will arise, you let them go. You come back to the breath. But I feel like it's easier to get caught up in the in the mental chatter that way because your mind doesn't have something active to do, right? Like yeah. I've done I've done jambe meditation where you sit around. What's that? Jambe meditation. You sit around. Oh, the drum. Yeah, the drum. You have a jambe okay. and people start. I have one, a little one. Yeah, and so Here. it's all about getting the rhythm and getting the downbeat, and you can tell the drum will tell you because you're you're drumming with other people and there's a specific pace. And when your thoughts are going, you'll start speed up or slow down or you'll miss the beat. So that's uh -huh. a very uh, active way of staying present because the drum will How tell many you. people do you do that with? I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but we used to do like seven, six to seven people, you know. On the beach with Matt McConaughey or something? <laughs> what? Well, this guy was an older version of Matthew McConaughey. His name is Buddy Elm. He used to be. He used to play with Charlie Parker. I mean, he's a, oh, a great musician. He has Buddy a, Elm. Buddy Elm. H E L M. Okay. He has a shop in Santa Monica, California, and uh, it's a small little shop. What was the name of it? Four Seasons, I think it's called. And 
he sells drums. I mean, the dude plays with he plays with Kanye Kanye West and his okay Sunday service or whatever. But nobody really knows about him because the people that would come, it was always the same the same people, you know. Really? Yeah. And How did you find out about him? I was walking around. I saw a little cool shop, and I went in. I was like, "Yo, you got drums? I want to buy a drum." He's like, "Yeah, I also got a class. You want to sit down?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." But I thought he was gonna teach me how. To... And all of a sudden, we were doing this wow. really slow rhythm. I'm like, "I'm kind of bored." He's like, "You're not bored. Your ego's bored." Like, what are you talking about? Wow. It's like, just sit, just sit with it. And then I started watching. As much as uh, the more that I connected with the drum, the more aware I became of this ego that was just like, "Oh, we gotta go. We gotta go. This is boring," you know. And uh, damn man, yeah, that's cool. cool. That's like a meant to be kind of situation, isn't it? I think everything is meant to be. This is meant to be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Everything. We're meant to have a mistake with the first time go around, so we got it right. One hundred percent. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. We'd be like, ah, okay. So he. Right, right, right. Can I cut it? Right, right. Uh, it's not a real conversation. This sounds like a telegram. No, it's like a fucking weird. Yeah, a telegram would be even easier because at least then it's distinct moments of right. scent, right. waiting, scent, waiting. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so funny all this stuff we're talking about, like all this meditation stuff, and it's all so old. And I, I think about like right now in our lives, we have so many distractions. Right. That it's like, it's unbelievable. And to think that people who created these meditations so long ago felt the same way. It's like just the, the difference now. It feels like it's now we need this more than we've ever needed it. 100%. Ever. I mean, well, this guy would teach the the drum meditation um, buddy. He said that technology is at a different frequency and a different pace. Like, so I guess... You know, I'm I'm watching the little thing here in my mic, and it's going up and down. Right? So there's a there's a right. there's a beat, there's a pattern to technology. There's an algorithm, and he used to say that algorithm is a thousand times faster than our, our natural beat. Like the way we naturally move without all this technology, all this information going on, would be much slower. And now, I mean, I'm I'm so aware of it because you know I work in New York and I'm walking down the streets and. If I'm taking my time and I'm listening to music, and you feel like you're off because everyone's so, you know, moving along. Yeah, they're moving fast. And the amount of information, I mean, you're scrolling through Instagram and, and, and you're processing so much without even really being aware. No wonder mm -hmm. we, you know, we get to the bed and we can't go to sleep or we can't meditate or we can't, you know, just relax because there's so much information. Yeah. It's insane. I always wonder about it because it seems like it's there's no end in sight, and I wonder what's going to happen because it, it feels like we're getting close to the point where something's got to give, but I don't know what that what that would be or how would it look like. Well, you're talking about the metaverse, or what are you talking about? I don't know. I mean, I don't. That's possible thing, but I mean, I also think about it uh, just in everything. Like, part of me thinks that. Uh, so much of like uh, people's arguments and stuff about gender politics and stuff. Like I think that a big part of that is because people are becoming good or bad, more divorced from their bodies, in a sense because we're everything is so virtual. Interesting. And you could think about this. I, everyone thinks about the idea of virtual life and any kind of thing like anything that's uh, online or through computing or anything that's not. Uh, in the physical world, right? Anything it's you're experiencing that way, they think of it as technology and as something that's maybe um, negative. A lot of people think it's bad, especially like people who are coming from like a, a older perspective. Right. But also, you could think about it that sometimes I think about like these these uh, meta technologies and and things that are virtual. It's very similar to like a collective consciousness you'd experience through meditation or music or something. It just has... It's artificial, a lot of times this, It's artificial, but I mean, I, I guess I think, like, what really is artificial? At some point... Man-created. You have to decide. It's man-created, but I mean, I, I, I guess it's like, to write, the way it looks right now, it looks artificial. But that's also because we just, we don't know what we don't know. Right. At some point, maybe... Maybe a hundred years from now, maybe a thousand years from now, we won't really have physical bodies. We'll exist in some sort of a 
and like a different dimension of space and and time where like when you when you go into a meditation like where where is that a physical sp- it's not a physical space it's right. in your head but the idea of it being just localized in your brain the things you think about and the coincidences and the the connections or what do you, what's the what do they always call them what's the word for um it's like the the spiritual word for a coincidence they call it a um God, you know when something just like you're, it's like when you know when you're thinking about something, next thing you know it just shows up. Synchronicity, yeah. those type of synchronicities, a lot of times they cannot be explained whatsoever. Right. So it, it like I think to me it belies the fact that there's probably something happening that's invisible that we don't understand, like radio, like radio. Right. And so if that if that's the case, the idea that that's um, the difference between that and something that's technology. At some point, there will be no difference, and that maybe that this all this stuff that's happening right now, where people are, we're talking about old ideas, kind of people are reticent to give them up because they feel so new, are really just the early manifestations of of consciousness becoming like blending with uh, technology, what we call technology. Right. No, I see what you're saying, and I think. You know, I go back and forth. Like I'm obviously, yeah, me too. I'm in conflict with it be- yeah. because you know the entire world is moving there. But at the same yeah. time, I crave nature, right? Like uh, me too. When I, when, I, when I take my kid to the beach or when we're there, it's just like I see it in her spirit, in her in her energy. It just changes. She's much more calm. Much, and then I, you know, she'll go, she'll binge watch shows on TV, and after watching TV. Forget about it. She's like cranky and there's all these energy. So, you know, I used to over-intellectualize everything, but now I just look at it from a point of view of parenthood. And I look at my kid mm-hmm. and I look her, you know, what's happening to her. And I say, oh, okay, well, this is this feels more aligned with what we want. And this doesn't really feel aligned, you know. But mm-hmm. in terms of, of the collective consciousness, I remember when I first started meditating, like, I don't know, I was like 21, 22. And I started going to these groups. And, you know, you get to a point where you realize that there is just consciousness, that there is no real me. That little me is an ego. And then once that little me dies, it's like, oh, this is weird. It's like, it's like he is me in another reality. And then, you know, you start listening to all these concepts of being a a multidimensional being and all these different things. And again, gets so heady and so esoteric but when you boil it down to the to the you know nuts and bolts we are multidimensional because we are physical mm-hmm. we are mental we are emotional we are vibrational our sound is not physical but you can still hear it you know yeah so there's all these aspects of who we are but i remember when i first started meditating i got so heady and i and, and when you're up there i was like oh there's no time Right, because oh, you're, you yeah. just get lost in this present moment. And it's like really, oh. time is an illusion because we're we're using mathematical equations to track time, to track the sun. But the sun's not moving. We're moving, and you, so there's all these philosophical questions that arise, and uh, and I started getting kinks and pains in my body, and it, wow. it was almost like my body was calling me back. I was like too airy, and I was like, no, 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 you you're in this physical reality. Like you were born into this body, right? Because when I meditate long enough, you shut down your whole body, you just lay there, and you realize this consciousness, this point of, of awareness, it's not in the body, right? It's not in the brain. It's just, it's everywhere, right? And so, you know, you start disregarding the body a little bit because you realize you are not the body. You are this consciousness. You are this aware being that whatever has no name and it's unspeakable, but... Um, but then the body started going through these diseases and it was almost like the body was calling me back to it and I had to ground myself and I, I literally, I had a whole bookshelf of spiritual and philosophical books that I literally gave away because I, you wow. know, I, there's, because ultimately they're all trying to say the same thing, but what they're trying to point at cannot be contained in words, right? Because it's, mm-hmm. it's 
you know, it is what it is. We can't really, so we can make, we can write poems about it. We can go around, you know, we can, everyone has their own perspective to it, but ultimately it cannot be contained in words. So you can go through books and books and books and books and still not get to it. And yet you can just be in a moment and you'll realize what it is, you know, and it's in, mm -hmm. I felt like it was in the body. So I had to get rid of these books and stop listening to all the, all the, all the rabbit holes that was going down and started working out and I started just eating right and paying attention to my body and the meditation changed from wanting to escape the body and going beyond the body to be in the body so that's why I started doing the tree meditation because I used to do Shambhala meditation where it's like you kind of just forget about the body and it's going into that conscious realm but the standing meditation you can't forget about body because you know, you, yeah. you're keeping your arms out for 30 minutes, they'll get tired. And so it's a constant just breathing and letting go of tension, breathing, letting. So it's so body directed. And, you know, no matter how technological we get, you know, and the progress is happening and this, this, this whole movement of wanting to integrate technology with the human mind and, right. and the, the medicinal aspects of technology, it's still the center point is the body right virtual reality is nothing without the body right the phone right. doesn't work without the body even even when they're trying to say oh you're going to be connected to the phone where you can just think about it and you can google it, whatever it's still using the brain it's still using the synapses right. it's still using your body you know so i feel like the body is the key and uh, yeah it's what scares me sometimes about you know because i watch my kid watching tv and when she's watching tv uh -huh. and she's really into the her body's not moving. Her body's literally just sitting there. and She's a little computer. Yep. She's jacked in. She's got a little, her input, her, her eyes and her ears are the, it's like a USB cable. Right. It's plugged in and it's getting the download of the information. Right. Right. But I feel like, you know, most of our connection is in the body, right? Like there's nothing yeah. like seeing your friend and say, you know, actually hugging them, right? Yeah. Or, you know, putting your hands in the dirt, you know. Yeah, feeling things. It's really, it's underrated. Very, especially really in underrated. modern culture. It's like. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people talking about this now. Again, like, yeah, I watch a lot of TikToks. My wife sends me a lot of these TikToks where people are talking about some similar to this stuff. But just the idea of, um, even the science behind some of this stuff. I just learned the other day, there's this thing where, like I, st I used to always hike and go running with sunglasses on, but I saw this TikTok about how if you go outside without sunglasses and you're walking or running for at least 20 minutes in the first half of the day, it does something to your brain. It tells your brain when you're letting all this uh, different rays of light into your eyes and you're moving when you're when you're when your uh, viewpoint is moving past things when you see things pass you by, it tells your brain like. Okay, wake up. You're here. It's time to like to to do things to wow. be active, and it it's something where all you have to do is just walk uh, for 20 minutes at the very least, and uh, with without sunglasses on if you can if you can do it. Speed walk. If it's or? not super bright, just anything yeah. as long as you're as long as you your eyes are seeing things move past you, and even if you're blind, it works because if you hear mm, you have a sensation yeah. that 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 tells your brain that you are moving through space it tells your brain it like wakes you up and get, puts you in a different perspective it's that it's like that thing where like anytime i mean it's so it's like the most simple thing that there is but we all like forget all the time if you're in like a funk you feel terrible if you just walk the physicalizing of of walk the physical action of walking it just helps tr so tremendously because it puts you in the body Exactly. What, <laughs> it puts you in your what's body. making you feel terrible are your either emotions or your uh -huh. mental chatter. So by walking, yeah. you're getting in the body, and you're like, you're alive, you're uh -huh. here, you're not in whatever. Because somebody said, you, oh, you, man, that's you great. can't, and this is all connected to acting, right? Because I had to apply it. Yeah, right? you can't, because you know, you start acting, and everyone's like, you got to be in the moment, you got to be in the moment, you got to be in the moment. Uh -huh. It's like, well. If you can't be in the moment in real life, you're not going to be able to be in the moment in the scene, right? So yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's so interesting because I can't, I lost my train of thought. What was it? The light. We're talking about physicalizing because uh, you're lost in your brain. Right, right, right. So, so you, you can't think in the moment. 
Mm-hmm. Like if you're thinking, you're thinking about something else, or you th- yeah. you know it's either in the future or you're thinking about the past. You can't think in the moment. That's the whole point of meditation, mm-hmm. right? And so, if you're just present with your body, what's causing the emotion is the thinking. The thinking is a problem. Uh-huh. So you can't think yourself out of the problem. You got to just stop thinking, right? Thinking is a problem. Is the oh, this is the quote of the day? Thinking is the problem. Thinking is don't think. <laughs> that's the issue. Yeah, thinking is like just such a man. What a, like an overrated like a uh, overrated idea. Idea of like oh, we gotta, I just gotta think about it. Like, oh, we have got we gotta think. We gotta like fucking mull this over and turn it into paste and ruin this, it. This one made the problem. You're thinking. I mean, you you hear you, you hear thinking. in acting too, right? Like. You're in the scene. Yeah, I was I was thinking too much. I was thinking too much. Yeah. And I remember I used to, <laughs> I got I got a, a a light bulb one day. I was like, you know, I'm playing real humans, right? And these people, these characters are not. They're not sages. They're not mystics. You know, they're regular people. So why am I trying to bring this this present meditation consciousness into this character yeah. when this character is probably thinking the reason why he's in this dramatic scene is probably because he overthought about something and created problems and you know so i don't know it's it's crazy because we over analyze everything just as a society when oh, it's yeah. just so simple right i mean I, the more that i hang out with my kid and, and her friends and everything it's just so simple you know it's not so complicated but when you when you think about something over and over, you over, I mean, you think about the word fork, right? Fork, fork. You start thinking about it, all of a sudden it's just going to be weird. You're going to want to change the name of it or whatever. You know, that's going to happen. Yeah, it doesn't, with it doesn't feel right because you've you've destroyed something so simple just by thinking about right. it. That's so weird. I never heard that before because I remember the first time I have a distinct memory of being in the parking lot of the Apache Mall in Rochester, Minnesota, where I grew up. And my mom's car, we're driving around trying to find a parking spot. And I was thinking about a word, probably like fork or something. I was like, that sounds weird. Right. I was saying it out loud a bunch. I'm like, wait, is this the, is this the word? Right. And everyone's had this happen where they, they realize like, wait, is this, is that really how you say right. chair? Right. Ch- chair? Ch- it's like you're stoned or something right, like right, that, right, you right, know? Right. But you, and that's such, I never heard, so, I haven't thought about that in forever. But that, that idea, like it's such a basic breakdown of the idea of over how over how thinking on something without like thinking on something in a bubble can just it destroy it basically destroys it it fundamentally destroys the thing yeah, i mean that's the whole point of the book the power of now right Eckhart Tolle, where okay i gotta yeah, read that i haven't it's a good read it book. he says basically thinking is the problem and you can't solve the problem with the same problem you know you got to find a different solution but that's you know, you, you mentioned you mentioned science, and yeah. you know, I go back and forth, man. Because when I think of science, I think of nutrition, right? And I know that's not okay. science, but that's a science. What is science? Right, right. It's, it's science. a science, and yeah. it's such a young science. And I've been so involved in it because, obviously, you know, I told you my body started giving me all these issues, and so I had to pay attention. Uh-huh. So I went. And I studied everything about nutrition, and I real and I applied all kinds of diets and everything. And I realized anyone who claims to know the truth and to be an expert is naive because it's always changing. The science is yeah. always, and that's the whole point. Now that I'm teaching my daughter, you know, science, it's all about questioning, you know. And you start questioning everything, and you realize with nutrition specifically, it was always changing. You know, people would come out. I was like, "This is the best diet." This is, and a year later, it's like, yeah, "Yeah, it's not so good. You should incorporate this." And they're always changing, right? And so I think that just in general, you know, science, technology, everything is moving so fast. And to be able to say, "Oh, but, but, you know, this is what it is. This is the truth that I feel like." You, you've put yourself in a box, and there's no growth uh-huh. anymore, right? Um, right. Yeah. Also, it's so individual too, because some people respond to something, and some others don't. For for no for no apparent reason. Yeah, I mean, there's always a reason. Why? But yeah, the, yeah. You know, a diet it just boils down to even even your your bloodline, right? If you come yeah. from a certain type of bloodline and your ancestors ate that way, you're probably going to be better off with those kinds of food, 
right? Right. Otherwise, you know, if you come from a line of people who fart a lot, you just got to keep farting. That's it. Farting is healthy. Don't try to keep you know? it in. You, you, you have your stomach filled with gas and you can die. <laughs> Let the gas out. We got to normalize farting now. Yeah, that's going to take a, that's a big campaign oh, is, to do, it, to normalize farting. Yeah, I think so. But I'm starting with my kid. It's going to be difficult. Yeah, so you're trying to like, just fart, just fart, sweetheart, yeah, it's, just it's, fart. It's all good. Don't be embarrassed, you know, just fart. It's natural. You know, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you ever seen that video of the hippo farting? No. <laughs> you gotta show it to your yeah, daughter. You it's it. hilarious. We've seen a lot of those. It's a hippo like farting like you've never seen in your entire life, and it ends with a bunch of shit sputtering out its butt. Its tail was like spinning like a like a whirly gigger kind of thing. It is hilarious. It's insane. But this is like it is. We, oh man, I would love to see we, a kid's reaction. To yeah, this. we can't watch it now. Huh? You don't have that thing we can. I mean, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. How, I might screw everything up. Yeah, yeah, don't up, do but, it. Yeah, no, but I, I'll you know what I'll do so I'll put the sound in at the end of this. I'll put the sound of the hippo fighting. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not doing it. I gotta watch that. So, is anything anything new coming up besides from this show that you want to talk about or promote? That is, uh, you know what I'm saying promote. promote. Oh, do you want to promote? promote well, with that sound, yeah. I'll just say you gotta watch. Uh, I'll just do it right now. I'll give give you a quick promotion. There you go. Here we go. Yeah, I think self promotion is. Tune in to Law & Order SVU with Octavio Pisano, the new detective on the block. What's your character's name again? Uh, Joe Velasco. Joe, Detective Joe Velasco takes on everybody else at the SVU crime scene in New York City. <laughs> That's good. Joe Velasco. Yeah, I think self-promotion is... I can't do it. I've tried to do it in the past. Well, you have to a little bit, right? Don't they have you doing some stuff, right? Having you do interviews and things or not yet? I've done some interviews, but, you know, I'm, I'm promoting the show, right? Yeah, promoting and, the show. And they're, you know, they're there for that reason and they want to know. Right. But I don't know, when it comes to like social media and all that stuff, I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I'm like, do they really care? You know, do people really care? Especially with so much information, like I'm going through Instagram, and people are like, "Oh, you gotta drop, you gotta yeah. watch this, you gotta watch this." Like, I don't even have the time for it, you know? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good mindset. But I like, I like, for example, your stuff when people are like, oh, I just love. It. He pops out in this show, and he pops out in this movie, and he pops out. You know, I like that. I just, I don't know. There's a mistake. I would like to, to be popping up in more. Hey, you and me both. I like to do maybe less popping and more <laughs> popping and staying. How about that? That's good. I like to pop and stay. If you're listening, I love popping, but I've done a lot of popping. Maybe we do a pop and stay. Maybe a residency. How about a residency, please? I'll take a residency. You know, long term. Yeah, give me something long, long term, term, baby. Well, I think a lot of times, I think I have to make that for myself now, at least. That's why that's what I tell myself, sort of. What? The, the make pop it and stay? Yeah. Yeah, I have to like uh, make it. Otherwise, well, that's a whole other discussion, but yeah. Yeah, I think we save that for the next one. But you're right. We're in for that sure. time where we got to build that. Nobody's going to build it for us, you know. Exactly, yeah. It's great talking with you, man. I wish Same we could brother. be in person, but uh, it sounds great. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll be out there in the spring. And you'll you can plan to come back to Los Angeles at any point? Yeah, I'll be back. I'll be back in May. Maybe we can okay. do that at the end yeah. of the season. That'd Hit be great. Up. Right on. Beautiful, brother. Oh.